All right, awesome. All right, so good morning, everyone. Always a joy to bring the word of God to God's people. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, giving us this opportunity to dive more into this book of James. Lord, just a blessing of a book. Help us to uh, understand it. Lord, we pray you give us uh, clarity um, during this time. And, and may we really meditate on these words and chew on them and uh, interact in the text, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title for today is Thinking Wisely About Trials, and uh, it ties nicely into last week's lesson. If you remember, we were called to reevaluate, reason, rejoice, and be ready. All that is going to come into play in the next verses because we're going to reevaluate how we deal with trials. We're going to reason wisely about our trials, and we're going to see our need to rejoice in trials, and then we're going to answer the question, are we ready for trials when they come our way. All right, so why don't we recap briefly uh, last week. If my clicker wants to work or not. Alrighty. So the author of James, who is it? Who is the author of James? James, the brother of Jesus, okay. What about the audience? Do you guys remember about the audience? Besides that they're Christian Jews, what were they going through? Okay, yep. Persecution, yep, yep. And then we had uh, the Greek word of the week. You don't have to pronounce it, but what did it mean? Yeah, yeah, right, to rejoice. And the, it's the root word for greetings. And then we had some main verses. Um, the verses are up there, but what do the verses say, if you remember? James 1.12, it sums it up nicely in one beautiful sentence. What is the book of James about? You can use your Bibles if you don't remember the verse. It starts with blessed. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. What, what are they going to receive? The crown of life, right, which God promised to those who love him. And then we have the main thesis, right? There was four C's within the main idea. Look at verses 25 to 27. Does anyone remember the four C's? Now, the four C's aren't in the verses, but I got them out of there somehow. So, does anyone remember the four C's from last week? Cling to the word. Control the tongue. Care for those in need. Uh huh. It's the last one. To be clean from the world. Right? And how do we get those? Remember, we had to abide by the word, um, which is the law of liberty. Uh, and then we had to uh, bridle the tongue, right? So that's self-control. And then we also had to care for who? Who are the two groups of people that are mentioned? Orphans and widows. And then uh, the word for clean is not there, but what's the word to be what from the world? Unstained. Okay? So we need to be unstained from the world. All right, so today's outline, ooh, yes, my clicker works, is uh, we're going to look at some keywords, and then we're going to interact with the verses, and then we're going to look at some applications and review our favorite part at the end for our questions on the back of that sheet that you have, okay? So let's get into some keywords. My clicker doesn't want to work always. All right, no worries. Some keywords, and there's going to be four that we're going to look at. Why did I choose these words? Well, two of them are going to be our imperatives, 
and there's 54 imperatives, and we want to dissect all of them as we go through this book. And then we have two other words that deal with our main topic, and of course, our main objective with the word perfect. We'll see that in a second here. So they're going to be really important words before we get into our text, so that's why we're going to look at them briefly. All right, the first one. We're number one here. Uh, is to consider or to regard, to esteem. It means to think carefully about an issue. And the issue in our text is about how do we think about trials. This is our first exhortation in this letter, right? This is the first command that James is going to say. Consider it all joy. It is in the aorist tense. And why does that matter to know about that tense in our verb? Well, we understand that the aorist focuses on the past. And so another way uh, that we can think about uh, this command is, okay, trials were what the audience was already going through, right? It's something that they've experienced already. And so the verb to consider is something they should already be doing. Well, we see how uh, in the past they were to consider it all joy, and in the present they're to consider it all joy. So in other words, James is saying, you already are called to consider it all joy. You already should have this wise mindset about trials. We also know that the aorist tense, it implies this uh, sense of urgency, right? There, there's this command and it says, you should be doing this already. This is so urgent. You should be considering it all joy. It's also um, a definite action. You ought to do this every time a trial comes your way. And we know, beloved, it's not an easy thing to do to adopt this attitude of joy in the midst of pain. But we need to reason in our mind that, yes, I know I'm going through trials, but I still need to consider it all joy. Our next word here is uh, the Greek word of the week. All right, so remember this for later. The Greek word of the week, uh, it means testing, dokimion. It means testing, and it's about proving that your faith is genuine. Are we true believers? We know that a test of faith is not in vain. And faith, uh, we see that uh, there's two things that happen with faith. Number one, we know that it proves that we have genuine uh, faith in God. And number two, we are uh, getting purged and strengthened in our faith daily. All right, so there's two purposes. It reveals that we are genuine when we're being tested in our faith and that we are going to grow in our faith when we are being tested. So keep that in mind for later here. All right, so the next word is, is to have. So this word is also an exhortation we're going to see. Um, it's our second command. So we have our first command, which was, which one, uh, what word was it? The first command. Consider, and this one now is have as our second. It's in the present active tense, and we'll discuss this more when we get into verse 4. But for now, remember that James will call us to action when it comes to our sanctification, all right? So we'll see that in a little bit. The last word before we get into our text is perfect. Now, why did I pick this word? Well, there's going to be a sequence, right? It's going to start with trials, then it's going to be uh, endurance, and then at the end, we're going to see that uh, there's a result of going through trials, and that is uh, and we're going to be complete, perfect, genuine, you can translate this. And so it's about maturity, a fully grown person. So picture a beautiful tree with fruit, all right? The outcome to those who are active in their sanctification is going to be someone who's fruitful. And 
I know a lot of times when we see the word perfect, we're like, that means no sin? That's not what James is getting at. What James is getting at is someone who is wise, mature. So we saw some key words here. And now we're going to look at our text. So let's, let's look at James 2, uh, verses 2 to 4. So look at James 1, verses 2 to 4 here. All right. If you got it, say amen. All right, verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. All right, so here we have uh, our verses on the screen. And we're going to see our three main points later, attitude, approach, and aim. And each verse uh, has one of those A's that I want you to remember, attitude, approach, and aim. But let's look at some of the words that I highlighted. So the first word, consider, I put it in red because it's one of our imperatives. Uh, The second uh, red letter is have, which is the other imperative uh, command that we're going to see. And then I also uh, put the other key words that we were talking about, testing and perfect, the main topic and objective that we're going to see later in blue. And then lastly, I underlined some key words for us. So consider it all joy. That's going to be the attitude we're going to talk about. Um, We see that faith is obviously the main topic of the book of James, having a faith that endures. So that I underline. And then obviously what does uh, the testing of faith produces? It produces endurance, which is something else we're going to discuss. And then lastly, uh, complete. That's the outcome. That is what um, a person that endures, a person that has tested in their faith, time after time, they're going to have this completeness about themselves. All right? Alrighty. So let's get into um, the first one. So verse 2. Verse 2 here um, is, is one of our first main points here. It's about an attitude. James is calling us to think wisely, which means we have to have a certain attitude towards trials. So uh, let's see how uh, you guys respond to trials. And we're, we're going to be honest. Let's say something really terrible happened, or not even terrible. Someone is talking bad about you. How do you handle it? Let's be honest. What do you guys say? What's your attitude when someone is maybe talking behind your back? Or what's your attitude when someone's saying something about your Christian faith? They're like, that Christian over there, he's, he's a phony or something. What, what do you think when they're saying that to you? Upset. Yeah, you get upset. What else? You could be honest. Yes, we do that. Yes. Anyone else? Uh-huh, we, we start to just, like, go in the corner, and you're like, oh, man, they're talking about me. Yeah. That makes me think that they did wrong. Mm. Yeah, you start comparing, be like, look at what they do. Well, maybe we complain about our trials when they come our way. Maybe we throw a pity party and say, woe is me. Or maybe we're just indifferent. We, we have this stoic attitude about trials. Or maybe we even act like the Israelites. We start to grumble, right, in the wilderness when they're not getting what they want. Well, the better question to answer is how should we respond to trials in our life? Um, We should consider it all joy according to the text. I think a good way to put on a wise mindset is to consider some examples in Scripture of those who went through trials. So give me some examples of 
people in scripture that went through some trials and, and they endured. They kept going. Yes, yes, you got my first one. Good. Okay, oh, you got my second one. You guys are on the money today. Wow. So we're going we're gonna to get into that in a second here. So look at that. You guys, nah, you guys saw this before, right? No way. All right, all right. So um, Abraham and Isaac, turn to Hebrews. So it's the book to your left of James, Hebrews 11. And notice here in verse 17, it does say that Abraham is tested. Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. And, and I want you to notice in verse 19. So after verse 18, it was he to whom it was said, and Isaac, your descendant, shall be called. And look what he does. What does Abraham do? He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received back as a type. So what does Abraham do in this test of faith? He thinks, right? He doesn't let the emotions get to him. He reasons and says, God is doing something here. I may not fully understand it. And and so he starts to consider and say, well, God says he's going to promise that through Isaac. And and so he's going to raise him from the dead. And so during this trial, this test of faith, he reasons, considers, and considers it all joy and does what God commands him to do. You can read that more in Genesis 22, a great story for all of us. All right, we got another one here. So we know that some trials, some tests, they come from God. Um, but we see there are other types of trials that come from the enemy, right? We have people that are evil and they're, and they're trying to attack. So go to Acts 20, and we're going to look at that second example of Paul. Acts 20, verse 18. If you got it, say amen. So a couple more books to the left. Verse 18. And so when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord of all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through what? The plot of the Jews, right? So we have these Pharisees, we have these uh, religious Jews that are pretty similar to the ones attacking Jesus. Now they're attacking Paul. And what does Paul respond with? How does Paul respond? Look at the next verses. Verse 20 to 24. Here's Paul's response to these plots of Jews, of wicked men. And you heard how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. He doesn't shrink back even though people are are trying to kill him. He is going through trials and he's enduring. Look at verse 21. Solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound in spirit on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that the bonds and afflictions await me. And look what he does. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus. And so, what does Paul do? Even though it wasn't easy, Paul states how he goes through these trials. He doesn't make his life all about what he wants, but rather it's about finishing the race 
finishing the race. If you ever run track or maybe you ran just for fun and I got to get to from point A to point B and you said, I got to get all the way there to the finish line and you did it. That is Paul's mindset about his Christian life. I need to finish this course. The word finish uh, is similar to our uh, Greek word for perfect, right? It could be translated to make perfect when you're saying finish. And so Paul has this goal in mind. He's not going to waste his life. He's going to bring God glory through many afflictions. And so what is Paul's mindset about trials? We see it in Romans 8.18. He knows that even though uh, he's going to go through suffering. It is not in vain. It's producing, um, you know, everlasting treasure in heaven. And then verse 35 to 37 of Romans 8, we also see that even though so many different persecutions, afflictions, trials come his way, the love of Christ cannot separate uh, uh, even from those things. And so we need to have this attitude of joy during trials. But if we notice here, uh, faith means that we're, there's a certainty of trials. Uh, no matter what, we are going to go through trials. And we're supposed to consider it all joy. Now, this isn't about smiles and giggles and, and like, oh man, I got to just be happy about all my trials. No, this is a serious joy, a joy that understands there's a finish line and we're going to get to the end. And so, we need to have this deep confidence in God and trust during trials. We're not supposed to rush into them like, oh, I'm going to get in another trial. I can't wait to get into a trial. We're supposed to face them. And so the next part of the verse, it says, whenever. Whenever, look at, go back to James 1. Uh, verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials or whenever you encounter various trials. It implies that it will happen. It's unavoidable. So if you have real faith, you will have some real trials. Another way of saying it is, if your faith is certain, you certainly will have trials. It can happen uh, whenever, and you don't know when it's coming. And so, uh, we see that uh, in 1 Peter 4, uh, we're not supposed to be shocked or surprised when trials come our way, but rather, if you read there, it says to rejoice. We're suffering for Christ. We know 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us uh, those who seek to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so I have a question. Can trials actually be good for us? Yes or no? Can they be good for us? Why would you say that? Mm. Yeah, that's the power verse there for that. Good. Anyone else? Which one, Rome? Yes, yes, right there in the text. So we know that maybe in a third world country or, or somewhere else where the gospel is hostile, uh, there are people suffering for Christ. They're, they're being persecuted uh, strongly. Maybe here we get persecuted a little bit, but over there it's strongly, and they consider it an honor to suffer for Christ. And so we do need to change our mindset about trials. But what type of trials? If you look at the verse, it says, when you encounter various trials. Various there is another way of saying all kinds of trials. It's not about um, how many trials. It's about all the different types of trials, right? So adversities, afflictions, calamities, uh, many hard things to bear. 
Now, we often think of trials as physical persecution, but it means more than that. And yes, the audience were going through physical persecution, but it can refer to any opposition based on your religious conviction. So I don't know if you work at a secular job. Uh, I do. Have you ever got mocked for maybe bringing a Bible or... Or they knew you were Christian. They knew you had certain views. Did you ever get mocked for your faith? Not really? Not so much? A little bit? Well, it's definitely not fun when you get mocked, but um, it happens. It happens. So what are some difficulties we face as Christians? What would you say, even in America, what are some difficulties we face as Christians? Some simple stuff. It doesn't have to be crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So we're definitely not going to be the popular crowd. Uh huh. What else? We're definitely going to have views that people disagree with. What would be some of those views? We're definitely labeled as oppressive. Okay. Sexual oppression and inequality Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you say something about why submit to the husbands, oof, forget about it. You start getting labeled, and who are you to say that, this and that? All right, well, the focus of James here is it's being uh, mistreated, right, being persecuted for the faith. Um, so in addition to certainty of trials, I need to make another uh, comment about the quantity of trials. Um, and so we know that there's different forms of trials that are going to come our way, but there's sufficient grace for any trial. Where do we get that from? Come on. Paul says it. Yes. 2 Corinthians 12.9, right? Even in weakness, God is there with us. So, now I know I have this, uh, you know, three Greek words up there. Why did I do that? So, James here, uh, he's using some alliteration, right? There's three pies in a row. And so, we just see again, like I said last week, the artistic flavor of James. And uh, so encounter various trials. You see the three pies in a row there. All right, well, let's continue here uh, to our next verse. So go to verse 3 now. And let's read that again. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So let's discuss a little bit of how to think wisely about trials. We know we are to have the right attitude of joy when we face trials, but how can we be joyful when we go to trials? What would you guys say? How can you change your attitude about trials? We need the right approach, but how do we do it? The cheat sheet. Okay, yeah. I see that. Anyone else? Yeah. Say that again. We'll be stronger. Okay, you can look at the bright side of it. Say, I'm gonna, we're going to be stronger out of this. How do we change our attitude in trials? Huh? Okay, positive. We know it's good for us. All right, so very similar answers here. Hmm. Of course. Did you have something happen? Yeah. Um, I think as you kind of go through them, 
Yeah, it sounds like endurance, so we'll get there. Um, so we know that joy does imply an emotion, right? We're supposed to consider it all joy, but it's more about a correct attitude when we're thinking of this joy. Um, so I put here feelings versus mindset. Which do you tend to use more? Let's be honest. A lot of times we can react, right? It's all about our feelings. Oh, I didn't feel right about that. But we need to have the right mindset when we go through trials. Let's be honest, we feel terrible when we're going through trials, but the text is not about how we feel, it's about what we think. Our approach isn't gonna be one that's just putting a fake smile on, leaping for joy, like let's say a baby boy or baby girl is born, and you're like, whoa, so amazing. I'm just like this baby boy or baby girl, I'm gonna be like this during my trials. No, it's not about that. The focus is more on a long-term result like when your kids are becoming mature adults. We know that during the early years, uh, parents discipline their children. And it can be very stressful at times. Mothers and fathers, they're not smiling. Yes, another time to discipline my little daughter or little uh, son. But rather they know that disciplining their children will lead to their kids' benefit in maturing. And so God, he does that with his children, right? We go daily through trials, but we need to learn how to consider it all joy we know it's for our good and yes we won't feel like having joy in trials but we're called to have joy in trials and we know uh, we won't feel like thinking about man these trials are good for us in the long run but that is the approach we must take our approach if you look at the text what does it say look at verse three knowing that the testing of your faith so there's this awareness uh, recognizing to learn Okay, I'm going through a trial. I need to do something about my mindset. So you know something. Uh, it's based, knowledge, the word there is based on a personal experience. Uh, kind of like Ephraim was saying, you go through them and you're going through them. And as you're going through them, you have to adopt this correct attitude. And so you realize, man, the testing of my faith, what does it do? What's the end of the verse in verse 3? It produces what? Endurance. Endurance, this is the key here. This is the purpose of trials. The testing process develops endurance or perseverance. It could also be translated steadfastness. And so what does this word develops? Uh, it's in the present tense, and it pictures a process that continues. Endurance is a picture of, let's say, um, there's this heavy load. Uh, maybe the building, it's falling. You know it's about to fall. This is what endurance says. I'm going to stay here and be uh, steadfast. I'm going to take a stance, even with the pressures on top of me. Or, or maybe you think about the ocean, and you're, you're deep down, and the pressure of the water is getting on you, and you're still under it. It's so easy to just give up and get, go up in the water, get a breath. But you're saying, I'm enduring. I'm taking it in. And so endurance is, is about determination, Instead of trying to escape, go the easy way out, you're saying, I'm going to go through this trial no matter what. I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to get to the end. It's about this frame of mind that's brave. They're enduring trials and pressures they encounter, and they're not this passive attitude or this quiet submission, but rather it's a bold stance of faith. 
And so a person of endurance is a person of great loyalty to God. And so I have a couple examples here. Um, let's go to Acts 7, verse 60. So back to Acts. And Stephen is one of the guys that come up to mind when I'm thinking about endurance. If you know a little bit about Stephen, a man full of the Spirit, a man who preaches the gospel, and look at verse 59. Look at his trial that he's experiencing. Acts seven fifty-nine. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. And then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Ah, kill them all. No. What does he say? Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. Wow, he died. Um, look at this guy's attitude during a trial. He's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about them. He loves his enemies, even when he is stoned. Uh, that's the type of endurance we need to have. Um, even when things are going tough, we need to love on others. We also read about some examples in Scripture in the book of Hebrews earlier about our faith being tested, right? Uh, the hall of faith over there. Um, we see plenty examples of, if you read Hebrews 11, of people going through trials and enduring until the end. And so what is the purpose of trials? So that we may endure, that we may have endurance. All right, so here's my next question. Why do we have to go through trials? I think I've already answered this, but again, why do we have to go through it? The answer's there. What is it? Endurance. Yes, we need to build endurance. You might ask yourself, why is this season in my life so difficult right now? Why am I going through this? Maybe you can think of Job, another example. Uh, he's enduring even during tough trials. What happens to Job? Does anyone remember? What are some of those trials Job goes through? I think there were three big ones. What do you lose? Family? What else? Health. He didn't lose his wife that cursed him, though, but, or said to curse God. Well, health, right? Wealth, right? His possessions. I mean, imagine being in that boat. Oof. And so Job, if you read the end of the book of James, James is going to say he is blessed, right? He endured. He's an example of endurance. He's blessed. And so though he was a man of trials, he was a man of many blessings, um, obviously at the end of the book there, but more than that, spiritual blessings. And so what is the purpose of trials? It's to produce perseverance. All believers need to grow in this area. We all need to continue growing in endurance. Now the second observation uh, that I make here is about the perseverance of the saints, right? Um, we can be motivated to keep going because God has promised that we will finish uh, he will finish the work he started. Where do we get that? Philippians 1.6. Um, and then Philippians uh, twelve or 2 to 12 and 13 talks about the work he does in us, right? So God is at work during our trials. And we need to remember that. All right. Uh, let's continue here uh, to the aim of our trials. So... Right, go to verse 4. Why don't we check that out? We've learned about the right attitude, the right approach. 
We need to talk about the aim to our trials. Our aim or goal is to think wisely about trials. We need this active goal during trials. And it should be to bring God glory. And we do that when we think wisely always. So look at verse 4. It says, And let endurance have its perfect results or work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. All right? So verse 4, we come across our next imperative. You remember that key word earlier? What was it? Who remembers? Let endurance have, there we go, have its perfect work. Good. With this present imperative, James reminds his readers that it is their continuing duty to enable endurance to finish its work, enable endurance. So um, we know we have this intended goal, and that is to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, right? That is our goal. We want to finish what we started. I don't know about you, but have you ever not finish something that you started. It's very frustrating, right? We don't want to do that in our Christian walk. We don't want to let the process of growth, of growth be interrupted. And so let's answer this question. Do we do anything in sanctification? Yes or no? Yes? Is it just the Holy Spirit doing everything? It's God working us? No, if you remember Philippians 2, 12 to 13, well, how does it start? Verse 12 talks about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then it says, and God is at work in you. So uh, God obviously is working through the Holy Spirit in us through his word. Um, but we have this duty as believers uh, to uh, work on our sanctification. Right? We need to be in the word of God, prayer, much of that. All right. So we agree that the spirit is at work in us through the word of God. That doesn't mean we do not strive to grow in our sanctification. We are told many times to obey Christ, right, to grow in holiness. Uh, Another observation we make from this verse is that the maturity of character is not the result of the number of trials we encounter, but rather how we go through those trials, right? What we understand about those trials. We see that God is at work in those trials. So we need to have this um, submission about trials so we can let the test of faith knock us out or we can let it mold us into the image of christ we can either have this attitude of defeat or this attitude of joy knowing that god is for us and with us and we're considered to uh, we are called to consider it all joy and to keep considering it all joy and so what do we see next in this verse uh go back to verse four let endurance have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete. So what is the outcome of endurance having its perfect work? What's the outcome here? Growing and surrendering to God. Okay, what does the text say? Yes, yes, that is the whole point that we may be complete. So I don't know if you see it here, but we have this uh, picture of puzzles, right? I don't know if you like puzzles. You know, my son, Sebastian, he's starting to like puzzles. Um, Picture yourself as in a billion-piece puzzle. I mean, maybe you've done a 100-piece puzzle before, 500, 1,000. You're a 1 billion-piece puzzle. Why do I say that? Because you have many sins, and God is, is molding you, right, putting you together into 
the image of Christ. So we're becoming more complete daily as we're going through trials, as we're growing in sanctification. Uh, daily we're going to be put together to look more like Christ. One last thing I want you to observe is our Christian objective in our life. What is your goal in life? Oh, someone brought it up in Romans 8.29. We should want to grow daily into the image of Christ. And so now that we know our aim in trials and to think wisely about them, that we ought to submit to God in our trials, let's talk a little bit more about sanctification since I brought it up. Uh, sanctification. Now here, <laughs> I got some uh, levels here, so we'll see them in a bit. But what does sanctification mean? Anybody? What does sanctification mean? Layman's terms, please. Yes, very good. Good answer. Separation from the world. Anyone else? Yep, yep. To be growing in the life of Christ. Anyone else? Sanctification. Yes, to be more like Christ. That's what I was looking for. Okay, so we don't stay the same when we're saved, right? We are made more and more into the likeness of Christ. It means we're growing in holiness, right? Being set apart from the world. And remember, the world of war for wealth, right? We're in it. And so we're being cleansed from it. We're being sanctified by the word of truth. And we become... Uh, people that desire more and more of God and to live like Him and to make the name of Christ known, to gain more treasures in heaven. Our mindset is, is uh, not just earthly, but it's heavenly, right? We're thinking about our future with Christ. And so maybe you know a thing or two about investments, but what's the last time you met and made an investment for the kingdom? Maybe you shared the gospel, you loved on someone unconditionally. In other words, you gave knowing you knew you weren't receiving anything back. So sanctification is a life process until the day we die. And uh, we need to develop this wise mindset. So I put a couple levels here. Level one, maybe during a trial you say, I'm angry during this trial. I'll say we're at level one there. If you're just getting angry all the time, you're a person that just not only frustrated and upset, you're angry about it. And someone is putting you through a trial, you just want to, you know, beat them up. You're on level one, I would say. Level two. I'm annoyed about my trials. I can't believe I'm going through this. These people always mess up my life. Ugh. You get this, like, I'm annoyed feeling about everything. Just, what's up? Ugh, I'm just annoyed. Number three, I'm accepting my trials. All right. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm going through some things. I know. Yeah, I know. It's tough. Um, yeah, God, yes, I know God is with me. Yes, yes. You're accepting it. You almost have like a stoic attitude about it. You're like, yeah, I know. Another trial coming my way. Well, I would say you're still not at level four. Level four is where we should be at, where it's, I consider it all joy. You know, Lord, I'm going through this, but I know you have a purpose through it. I know this is something that is going to help me in my growth, help me to submit to your will, help me to love on these people, even though, um, you know, they're being mean to me. Uh, I, I think of David. You know, David... He could have easily killed King Saul. King Saul wanted to kill him. And it would have been just a quick, easy, killed him at night, you know, silent, quiet death. Um, but David says, no, no, how can I kill the anointed one, the Lord's anointed? Like, who am I to do? And so he refrained, even though he wanted to. And so 
We need to learn how to grow in that, grow in considering all joy. So ask yourself, what level are you on? Right? Be honest with yourself. And so First uh, Peter 2.20, we read about uh, Peter uh, talking about how Jesus went through trials. What did he do? He entrusted himself to the God who judges righteously. And so Jesus, when he is mistreated, he is submitting to God's will. And so if you need a reminder that trials have a good purpose, the trials of Jesus, it ends up in the salvation of all who would believe. So, uh, almost done here. We saw that the outcome of enduring trials is to be complete, right? We let endurance have its perfect work so that we may be perfect and complete. Uh, That's talking about maturity um, rather than absolute perfection. Uh, It's talking about ethical character of the mature believer, about a full development. So think about it. Are you a baby in trials or are you bold in trials? A mature believer is one that loves God and others. A wise person lets endurance have its perfect work. They have a real faith. And so though we're going to be tested repeatedly in our Christian walk, we know we're going to mature that way. That's why we have this quiz at the end here, because we need to get tested. Now, some verses to consider regarding our aim for thinking wisely about trials uh, and being complete. If you look at Matthew 5, 48, uh, it says, uh, be perfect, right, as your Lord is perfect. And in the context, it's about loving your neighbor as yourself, right, loving those that are hard to love. Christ, greatest example, loved his enemies, right, and he died for them. And so we have to love others. James 3, 2, we see that same word. Uh, the perfect man is able to bridle the tongue. The word perfect, again, uh, it's talking about um, being self-controlled, uh, mature. And then lastly, uh, Luke 8, 13 to 15, if you read that about the parable of the sower, we see that there are some that are fruitful while others aren't. It's because they hear the word of God, they accept the word, they submit to God's word, while the others, they get choked up by the worries of the world. And so, beloved, we want to grow in love for one another, in self-control, and be fruitful for God. But how? We need to remember the sequence of Christian growth. What do we start with? The unavoidable. The trials, we learn that they're ultimately for our good. And we have this attitude of joy during these tests of faith. Our approach is one that wisely thinks about how these tests of faith will lead to what? What's the next step? Endurance, right? We're going to grow in endurance. And then after we keep letting endurance have its perfect work, it's going to transform us, this work of God in us, is going to transform us to be more mature in the faith and ultimately uh, perfect, complete, like I said, not about not having any sins, but you're going to be someone who considers it all joy when they meet trials of various kinds. All right? So we can rejoice our way to glory because of God working in us. And so here's our last two applications here. Uh, And it's similar to being wise and obeying the word. Right? Number one, growing Christians have a wise mindset about trials. So ask yourself, do you have a wise mindset about trials? Or are we lacking in something here, right? Are we on level one, two, or three, not level four? Do we need wisdom? We're going to get to that next week. Application number two, growing Christians submit to the work of God in their lives. So have you humbled yourself in each trial and said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know it's for my good. Please help me to depend on you during this test of faith. Let's pray. 
Lord God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, reminding us of how you went through uh, the worst of trials, and yet you endured, yet you uh, submitted to the Father's will. Help us to do that today. Help us to see how we ought to consider it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. And Lord, that we, we will let that steadfastness work in us so it will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name.